I go any further, I, I just I want to pray because I, uh, Krista Labby came up to me today, and many of us are aware that her mother has been uh, battling cancer for some time now, and her name is Linda, and uh, Krista came up and shared with me that things were very difficult and uh, for her mom right now, and you can imagine what she must be going through as well as Stan, her husband, and of course the daughters, Krista and Michelle. And uh, I just feel like we just need to just pause before we go any further and pray for them, pray for God's healing. We believe that God can heal. We believe that uh, God can work a miracle, and we're going to stand in agreement for that. But we also want to pray that in this time that God's grace would be upon Krista and the family. So those that are sitting with Krista right now, if you just kind of touch her and uh, lay your hands on her, and we're going to pray right now in Jesus' name. Father God, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask God that you would work a miracle in Linda's body right now. In the name of Jesus, we speak healing over Linda, our sister, who has been struggling and battling with this affliction in her body, and we just pray, God, that it would be removed in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would surround the whole family with your grace and with your love. God, that you would give them a strength and a peace that surpasses all human understanding. And we just pray, God, that their hearts would be encouraged in you to know that you are good. You're a good, good father. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And I just pray, God, that they would feel your presence. Sense your presence, know your presence in Jesus' name. And Lord, we invite you now as we dive into the word, God, to go after it, God, and and reveal yourself to us even in in a greater way today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for joining with us. We got to pray for our family. We got to pray for one another. We need God's grace upon us, and so we we gladly do that. So I want to continue in a series we have started a few weeks ago, entitled "Hello, My Name Is." And what we're doing over these weeks is we're looking at some of the covenant names of God, names of that the Lord has revealed Himself as throughout the Scripture, and uh, we have looked at different names. Uh, we've looked at Jehovah Nisi, we have looked at Jehovah Rapha, we have looked at Jehovah Shama. Today, we're going to look at the great name Jehovah Shalom. Everybody say Shalom. Turn to your neighbor and tell him Shalom. That's a greeting, that's a good word. And uh, so this is what we're going to talk about today. The name Shalom means the Lord, our peace. God is our peace. Peace, And so this is what we're going to be talking about. And so let me just kind of give you the backstory before we actually get into the text that I have up there. So Israel, this is in the time of the judges, of course, in the book of Judges. And Israel is in rebellion against God at this time. And they went through cycles where they would draw near to God and then they would draw away from God, adrift from God. And whenever they would draw away from God, the Lord would allow, according to his own covenant with the nation of Israel, he would allow them to be overcome by their enemies, and they would live and struggle because of their own rebellion, because of their own wayward heart, and God would allow the consequences of their choices to come back upon them and haunt them, basically. And uh, then they would, go, they would turn back to God, because, you know, whenever things really go bad and they start going bad, you only have, you have a couple of choices, either live with the bad or get deliverance from it. And so they would, cry upon, they would cry out to God, and God in his infinite mercy and good compassion would be there every time. And one of the things that the Lord would do is that he would raise up a deliverer. And uh, through that deliverer, they call them judges, that's what they're called, judges or deliverers, and through that deliverer, God would bring a miracle turnaround in the nation of Israel. And this is where we're at here in this passage in Judges chapter 6, and that brings us to Gideon. Uh, Gideon was, uh, by all intents and purposes, he was just a common, ordinary guy, 
living in the land of Israel when God showed up. And the story, the backstory is, is that one day he was, uh, oh, let me just say this, the, 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 the nation that was coming against them at the time is known as the Midianites. And what they would do is, for every year when Israel would plant their crops, after they would plant the crops and the produce was coming forth, the Midianites would roll into town, and they basically would come like a swarm of locusts, the Bible says, and they would devour the land of its produce. They would steal it, they would trample it, they would destroy it, they would take what they wanted, and then they would destroy what they didn't take so the children of Israel wouldn't have anything. And then they, when they left, they left with all their donkeys and all their cattle and all their sheep and, and just wreaked havoc. And instead of facing up to the enemy, the children of Israel would run up into the hills and hide in caves and dens up in the hills. And uh, so Gideon, was he had some wheat, what little wheat that he had, he was threshing the wheat, to get the kernel away from the husk. And he wasn't doing it out on a hilltop like was normal, but he was in a wine press trying to uh, thresh wheat. And the reason why he was in a wine press is because he was afraid of the Midianites, that they would see him, catch him, steal his food, quite possibly kill him. So he's in this wine press hiding for fear, tucked away, trying to get away with this, and there was a guy sitting underneath a tree called a terebinth tree. A guy shows up and he's watching him. I can almost see Gideon looking over him like, who's this Jack? You know, what's going on here? And uh, the guy's just watching him. And then he rolls up to Gideon and he says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And I can, again, just like, if I was Gideon, I'd be like, you talking to me? Like, he didn't feel so much like valor and brave. He was hiding. He was afraid. And the Lord essentially calls him and says, I want to deliver Israel through you. I want to defeat the Midianites through you. I want you to step up to my call. Let me do something through you. And Gideon's response was, you mean God wants to use somebody like me? That was his essential response. But he was also a little bit upset. He was like, well, where has God been all this time? Why has he allowed all this evil to befall us? And the Lord doesn't try to argue with him. He just says, listen, go in your strength and know that I'll be with you and I'll give you the victory. And that's where we pick up in verse 16. So I just want to read the remainder of it. It says, and the Lord said to said to Gideon, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if I have now found favor in your sight, this is Gideon talking, he said to the the man, which was the, the angel of the Lord, he said, if I have now found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. How many of you like it when God gives you a sign that this is Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's, to get that confirmation. He's like, I need to know this is really you. If I'm going to go out there and about, I'm about to get myself killed, i got to know, you know who's sending me out there. So he says, I, I need a sign. And he said, do not depart from me, I pray, until I, until I come and bring my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in, and he prepared a young goat and unleavened bread, and an ephah of flour, the meat he put into a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to the man under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock, on this rock, and, and pour out the broth basically over it. And he did so. And then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that is in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And Gideon was like, whoa, that was God. That's basically what he says there. Whoa, that was God. So Gideon said, alas, Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, obviously in his heart, maybe verbally he heard it, the Lord said, peace be with you, do not fear, 
you will not die. So Gideon built an altar there and called it the Lord is peace, or he called it Jehovah Shalom. Now what we see in this story is the nation of Israel was in a deep distress and turmoil. They were in a really bad time. There was, they were in a time of great drama. Gideon's hiding in fear, his being disappointed with God, his own lack of confidence, and the struggle to believe was a picture, I think, of the anxiety and the upheaval in the heart of all of Israel. They had no peace in the midst of their problems. They were living in a world that was not close to God, and they were feeling the effects of their waywardness from God, and they had no peace. But God showed up and said, in this world of trouble, I want to do something through you. And essentially, after the whole encounter, Gideon's like, the peace of God has come. The Lord is with us. God is with us right now. We can do this. Even as bad as it feels, as bad as it looks, as bad as it really is, we don't have to be afraid because God is with us. The God of peace is with us. And I just want to, I don't think I need to remind you, we live in times of great turmoil right now and trouble in our own nation and in the world in which we live. And the temptation that we all face is to be like the children of Israel, maybe not literally, but spiritually and responsibly. Sometimes we just want to run to the hills and hide up in our caves and not face the music and not deal with the issues at hand. We just want to hide away from all of the problems and hopefully, like the Midianites, this storm will just pass through until the next year. And then again the next year. And we just kind of, we don't really step up to the call of God in the times that we live because sometimes we're filled with fear and we're filled with anxiety and, we're, and it looks so bad and it looks, so, it looks like we're never going to get ahead. And I want, I want to tell you, just like God came to Gideon, he's coming to you and me. And he's saying, I know it looks bad, I know it feels bad, but I'm here, and you're here, and I want to do things through you, and you don't have to be afraid. You can go in your strength, but listen, when you go in your strength, I'm there with you, and you put yourself to the battle, and I'm your God, and the Lord says, peace, be at peace. There's nothing that can stop you from stepping up, amen to what I have in store for you. Amen? I think God wants to work in us what he did in Gideon. He wants us to be mastered by his peace. He wants us to be motivated by his peace. He wants us to do all ministry in his peace. And so today I want to talk about Jehovah Shalom. I want to talk about living in the peace of God and and ministering in the peace of God in these times in which we live. Because if we don't have peace... We're going to live in fear. We're never going to step up to what God has called us to do. But God, it's time for the church to step up. Oh, come on now. Can I I get a good amen out there? So today, what I want to talk about is peace. And everything that I have to say to you today is by way of reminder. I got no new information about it. Can I just go ahead and, you know, is that okay? I'm not apologizing, but I got nothing new about peace to share with you. But everything that I am going to share, I believe, needs to be something that's renewed in us. Because it's easy to hide away in our dens and our caves. And so today when I talk about this, what I want to do is, first of all, I want to focus for just a few moments on how it is that we lose our peace. We have Jehovah Shalom living in us. How many know that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart? And the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Come on, say that with me. The fruit of the Spirit 
is peace. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your life, and the fruit of His presence is peace. But in my humanity and in my propensity toward fear and anxiety and worry and stress and disappointment, I lose connectivity with that peace. I don't know how else to say it. And so I want to talk about that. How is it that we lose this peace? And, and the very essence of shalom means wholeness, health, safety, soundness, fullness, tranquility. Everybody say tranquility. Doesn't that sound so tranquil? That's shalom. That's the presence of God. That's Jehovah Shalom, the tranquility of God's presence in you. Tranquility isn't the absence of trouble. It's the peace, the fullness, the wholeness, the safety in the midst of it. And so the problem is, is that the promise is, is that we have peace. The problem is we can lose our peace. How does that happen? Well, let me just, I'm going to rattle off some things to you. And uh, these, may, uh, these may be things that you and I are facing right now, maybe one of them or maybe a couple of them. Here's one of the things that steals the peace right out of us. That is uncontrollable circumstances. Do you know that you can't control anything? Turn to that control freak next to you and tell them that. They need to hear that. You Now listen, you and I can control things here and there once in a while, but for the most part, we have absolutely no control over things. You can manipulate people to cower to your control tactics, but when your back is turned, trust me, you have no control on them. Amen. You and I cannot control what happens to us Oftentimes what happens around us, but we sure do try. Can I get a good amen out there? Now I just, when you, and when you try to take control, obviously you become a manipulator, you, and if you don't, and, and you get mean, and you start saying things, and you start control, you know, you, you start swearing a lot. I mean, control shows up in a manifest ways in our lives, and we try to, and, we, and when we can't get control of the circumstances that we're facing in our lives, we get angry and upset. And we take it out on things, and we take it out on people. We take it out on people at church, and people at work, and take it out on our neighbor. Or take it out on a dog or something like that. Now we can't control things. But we can be content in all things. And what is contentment? It's like the eagles sing in their song. It's that peaceful, easy feeling. That's contentment. <laughs> Amen. We're going to, let's put that in our worship set. I got a peaceful, come on now, can I get a good amen? Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 11, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I wish I could control things. I wish I could control those Pharisees. I wish I could control the place that I'm at right now in in chains in this prison, but I have no control. But I have learned that wherever I'm at, that I can be at peace. It's not what I want, but it's okay. And one of the places in the lives of, in the Bible that I saw this to me, the, I, don't, I don't think the word contentment is anywhere in his storyline. But Joseph, Joseph was a man who was out of control of the circumstances in his life. But all I find is this man learning how to be content in every place that he's at. Swept up by his brothers, thrown into a pit, sold off into slavery, becoming a slave in a man's house. 
thrown into prison, and every place he was, I don't see in the scriptures where he's complaining and rallying against the, uh, the man, so to speak, but wherever he's at, he's rising to the top. He had no control, but he was content to the point where at the end of his life, when he's talking to his brothers, he's like, guys, don't worry about it. God was right there in every phase of my brokenness and my disappointment. And I couldn't imagine how God could use that to bring me to where he said I was going to be. Man, let go of control. Amen. You'll, you'll find peace a lot quicker when you can let it go. Amen. Here's another thing that robs us of our peace, and that's unchangeable people. This is very much like uncontrollable circumstances. But, you know, can I, can I, let's all just agree, if it wasn't for people, we could do this thing called life. <laughs> right? Come on, can I get a good amen out there? I mean, if it wasn't for people, we could all do this. Now, here's the issue. We want, we want people to change Sometimes we want people to change for their good. But we certainly want people to change for my good. Like, you're driving me crazy. I can't deal with you one more day. You need to change. And it isn't for their good. Oftentimes it's for our peace of mind. But here's, here's what you find out about people. When I want change for them more than they want change, I just create more stress for myself. How many of you know that sometimes we can want it for them more than they can want it for themselves? <laughs> That's just going to blow your mind. It's going to destroy your heart. But if I want change and they don't change, when I need them to change and they won't, that's where anger and resentment in my heart can set in. Let me just say it this way. Where it concerns unchangeable people and you know who they are, and if you say, well, I don't know anybody like that, that's you. You're that, you're that one. You're the one everybody wants change. Here, here, when it concerns unchangeable people, here, here's what you got to do. You got to let go and let God. Amen. Let go of the death grip of trying to make, form them and shape them and make them what you want them to be. You just got to let go and let God. Jesus taught us that. He said in one place, he said, agree with your adversary on the way. Just find a place of agreement. Don't, don't fuss. Don't fight all the time. Don't battle, you know, Ram each other in the head over every little thing. you got to agree with your adversary as you go. He, another place he said, pray for your enemy. Just pray. Just pray for him. You're not going to change your enemy. You have no ability to just really i mean we can all sit and converse and talk and we can try to speak truth and love and when it's all said and done you can't change anybody really can't even change yourself the changing we can change but i can't change me by myself that's why the holy spirit comes in he's the great change awakener in me and he begins to bring change and i as i walk it out with him but you have to let go and just let God. Amen. Here's another thing that can rob us of our peace, and that's unrealistic expectations. LSU did a study a few years ago, and they are actually discovering what the Bible's been telling us for a long time, that there is power, there is power in expectation. That they say, studies are showing and proving that when we have an expectation like let's say they'll, they'll use for goals in life, when we have an expectation and we think, yes, I expect this to happen, I expect this to happen, they say that something happens in our brain and our brain begins to fire in certain ways where it goes into to a next level problem-solving mode. 
and that we, what we're expecting actually can act, happen. And so their own study says, in their own study, they say, if you don't expect it, it probably won't take place. And this is what God has been teaching us in his word about faith, believing that all things are possible. Amen. Come on, aren't you glad that the educational system is catching up with God? Okay, so there's power in expectation. Expectation is good. And I want to talk a little bit about, more about that in just a moment. But expectations can be tricky, too. Sometimes our expectations can be unrealistic. Here are some of them. We expect that life should be fair. Have you noticed the world isn't fair? But if you and I think they should be fair at work, they should be fair at school, they should be fair in the world, you're going to lose your mind. You certainly are going to lose your peace because it isn't fair. People get away with stuff, and you don't. Amen. Everyone, here's another one. Everyone should like me. They don't. If you could be a fly on a wall somewhere and hear what they actually say about you. No, I'm joking. Not you, of course. Everyone should agree with me. See, these are expectations we have. Like in leadership, I make a call. I expect everybody's going to jump on board. And then they don't. And then I lose my peace. And I'm going to quit. And I shouldn't be in charge because I'm so stupid. No, I'm just saying this is, this is how we process problems. Not everybody's going to agree with you. Not everybody likes you. The world is not fair. Here's another uh, unrealistic expectation. If I get this and fill in that blank, if I get this, I'll be happier. I'll be more satisfied. You get it, and you got a hit of high until that wears off, and then you need another one. You go back to your dealer, and I'm not talking about drugs, although if that could be it. Your dealer may be Amazon. Two-day shipping. There's no peace there. Amen. Because it's unrealistic expectation. I should learn this about shoes and things like that. <laughs> I have a problem. I know it. Pray for me. I love the book of Psalms 73 where the psalmist says, he starts out, love how he starts out. He says, whoo, he says, man, I don't know what, I, I just got hit. The psalmist said, God is good to Israel. Next verse. But as for me, I just about cashed in my God card. He said, I nearly slipped. Because I saw evil people getting away with stuff. I saw rich people defying God. Here I am over here trying to live for God, trying to do God's will, and they're all passing me by. And it looks like God cares more for them than he does for me. Until, he said, I went into the sanctuary. And then he said, I found out they've got a terrible end, but I have a great eternity. <laughs> Amen. The world's not fair for now. Come on, that's good news. For now, the world's not fair. Here's another thing that can rob us of our peace, unforgettable regret. Guilt is not a bad thing, but let me just share something with you. Guilt is the acknowledgement of a wrong deed. If I robbed a bank, 
I would hope that you would want me to feel guilty, guilty enough about robbing the bank that I would go back and beg their pardon for doing that. Wouldn't you agree with that? Guilt's not an evil thing. Guilt, guilt is, a, is, is a good thing to sense, to feel in your spirit. And it's an acknowledgement. Oh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I didn't do that. Okay? So that's, there's a positive there. Now, shame. Shame is when we feel bad. We feel gross. We feel worthless. Regret is when I can't let go either of what I did or how I feel about myself. Being full of regret over our past is emotionally and mentally damaging. And if you're walking around in your life just like just regretting everything you did, every place you, you know, the wrong choices in your life, you and I at that point, we've got to stake our claim in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, there is therefore, what's that next word? Now. Everybody say now. There is therefore now. Not then. But now, that's where I'm at right now. You know where I'm at now? Now. Right. Come on. Where we're at right now is now. So there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh. I don't walk according. I'm not walking according to that. I'm in the now. I'm walking according to the Spirit. So no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, You live in the now. And in the now, we're talking about in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, Christ is in you. Amen. And so, I may feel guilty here and there when I step over the line, over, you know, and trespass and hurt and say something I shouldn't, and that. And that brings me back to a place of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and making things right with, you know, the person in my life. But certainly, I don't need to hold on to shame as a worthless person. And I don't need to live with regret as though that makes me a better person because it doesn't. We need to claim, stake our claim, and I am no longer under condemnation. Amen. And so, because unforgettable regret will rob you of your peace. Man, do I have to hurry. Here's one more. Unforgivable sin or hurt. And when I'm talking about unforgivable sin or hurt, I'm not talking about that you committed a sin and it can't be forgiven, but how other people sometimes sin against us and we think, I can't forgive that. Or, I should not be expected to forgive that. Some things done by others are so egregious that we believe that we can't forgive this. We can't walk in the peace of God and harbor bitterness toward another person. Contrary to what you believe right now, All sin and all hurt and all wounding of other people are forgivable. Amen. They are forgivable. And you say, no, no. What about the unpardonable sin? Well, first of all, you're not God. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that he died for the sins of the whole world. The only ones that, the, the unpardonable sin comes not in, the, not in the sense that God didn't die for their sins and forgive them of all their sins. It's they reject, they reject the message of it and deny him. That's resisting the Holy Spirit. That's the unpardonable sin. God forgave the world, but now we need to receive that and believe that and accept it as our own. 
And so you're not God, so don't claim that, well, it's unpardonable what they did to me. All sin is forgivable. You say, how do I forgive a person who has wronged me so deeply and wounded me so badly? Jesus said, here's how you do it. In Matthew 18, 35, he says, you forgive from the heart. Say, well, they haven't, they haven't asked for my forgiveness. So what? You forgive from the heart. You forgive from the heart. Come on, can I get a good amen? You forgive them even though they don't acknowledge it. And so these are things that can rob us of our peace, things that these are areas, reasons why we lose our peace. How do we live in peace? How do we live in peace? Well, Paul says um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, he says, finally, brothers, he says, be complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace. Everybody say, live in peace. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. How many want the God of love and peace with you? So he says, here's how you do that. Live in peace. Be a peaceful person. Amen. And so here are some things. Again, I'm, everything I'm sharing with you, by way of reminder, no new information, but let these thoughts be renewed in you. Here's how you and I step into the peace of God and live it out every day of our life. We have to pray the peace of God into our heart. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you want the peace of God, He says, you can't worry about your problems and worry about unchangeable people and stress your past, but take every concern to God in prayer. And when you pray, stop complaining and start praising your way through. Sometimes our prayer is, God, God, where are you? God, why this? Why don't you go, God, you're so good, you're so wonderful. I know you got this problem and that person under control. Amen. Pray it. Pray it. Jesus taught us to pray with faith believing. This is where we come back to that idea of expecting God to move. When you pray, you can know that God is going to move. How many believe that? I know this is not new, but it's really important. When we pray, God hears our prayers. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray with faith, expecting God to move. And I heard Jimmy Evans say this. He said, fear is expecting the devil to move. Faith is expecting God to move. And so if I live in fear and worry and anxiety over all of my problems and my troubles, you know what I'm expecting? I'm expecting the devil to have his way. Oh, come on now. That's... Come on now. But if I have faith and I pray with faith and gratitude in my heart, I'm expecting God to move. And he said, when I pray like that, Paul said, the peace of God will come in and will guard. And that word guard is a military term. And it's like the peace of God becomes like a drone strike against the enemies coming against me. And he just obliterates it. Praise God. Amen. So we need to pray it. Pray the peace in. We need to receive the peace. Receive it. Everybody say receive it. We need to pray it. We need to receive it. Jesus said in John 14, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. My peace I'm giving to you. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. That word for rule there, literally in the Greek language, means to umpire. He's saying, receive the peace of God that I've given to you, and let it become the umpire that says, safe or out. In your life, amen. This is right? No, that's not good. This is me, that's not me. You're out. 
That's what we need to say to some of these things that are coming against us. You're out! And you know what you can also do? Kick them out of the game. (laughs) Amen. In the Old Testament, the priest wore a breastplate and tucked in a pocket behind that breastplate between the heart and the breastplate was the Urim and the Thummim. And it was how God brought revelation about what he wanted and what he didn't want. And it was right over the heart. Let the peace of God rule your heart. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 12 says, For you shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace. I think God loves to lead by peace. I want oftentimes a big giant billboard that says, don't do this, go there. Invest this money, pull out of that. (laughs) Come on, anybody else want it like that? But oftentimes God operates out of peace. I don't feel at peace. The Urim and the Thummim of God's presence is right here. And you get a piece about it or you don't get a piece about it. And he said, you shall be led forth. You shall be led forth in peace. Amen. Isn't that good news? But we need to receive it. We need to think it. Everybody say, think it. To to live in peace, we're going to have to choose. Listen to me. Listen to my words very carefully. We need to choose to think different than we presently do. We have to change the way we think. God gives peace, but we must be renewed in our thought life so that we can live in peace. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, You will keep him or her in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And that word stayed on you means to his mind or her mind is fixed on you or set on you. The person who fixes their mind on God and they set their mind on the things of God and the word of God and the will of God and it's all about God, those people operate out of peace because they've trained their mind Not to wallow in the trouble, but to look to the truth. Amen. If our thought life is not fixed on the promise and the person of God, then we are done for. We've already lost. Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. He says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I came across this other study that talks about how, did you know that in a moment, the normal rate of talking for any one of us in one minute is 120 words? How many of you know that 500-word person? It's not me, I don't think. Is it Katie? I don't think it's me. Anyway, who is it? Oh, I don't know. I think he's an 11-word minute guy. (laughs) Anyway, most of us, the normal rate of words that we use in one minute are 120 words. We think, watch, we think 1,300 words in one minute. So imagine this. Imagine you're sitting there like I do sometimes, and you're whining, and you're griping, and... You're sad, and you're angry, and you're just thinking negative thoughts for, let's say, 10 minutes. That's 13,000 negative, sad, angry things that are assaulting my soul. We have to think differently. We have to set our mind like 
watch like you set an alarm clock. When you know you got to get up, you set your clock. Now me, I don't have to set a clock anymore. I'm old. <laughs> and I'm up. But, I, but I'll tell you how I got there. I had to set my clock because I had a job that I had to be at work at 5. So I had to set the alarm at 4 so that I could get up and be ready and be there at 5. And I did that for years. To the point where when that was all said and done, now it's 5, 5.15, On a really bad night, 3.30. But my point is, is that like we set a clock, we have to set our mind so that it becomes more internal. See, what I got is an internal clock. I don't need the exterior anymore. And isn't that where we want to get to in the Lord? Internal mindset. This is where I go. This is how I live my life. So we need to think it. Let me give you the last couple very quickly. We need to speak it. Everybody say, speak it. Here's how we live in peace. We need to, we need to speak the peace of God. We need to put it out there verbally. Remember when Jesus and his disciples were crossing the sea and a storm arose? And Jesus was asleep in the middle of the storm. Remember that? And the disciples were worried that they were going to drown and Jesus was asleep because the Bible says God gives his beloved sleep even in the storm, even in trouble. And Jesus was asleep and the disciples were worried and they stirred him and they woke him up. And the Bible said that Jesus stood up and he rebuked the sea and he said, Peace! And the storm ceased and the waves ceased. Why did that happen? Because he spoke it into the atmosphere. He took authority. They even marveled. How is this that he has authority over the wind and the waves? The atmosphere. He changed the environment. He spoke it. You're in the midst of trouble. You speak the peace of God. Put it out there. Speak it. And I believe we'll see our storms begin to cease. And our troubles calmed. Because there is power in the spoken word of God. Amen. And the reason why he could speak that and the disciples couldn't is because it was on the inside of him. It was on the inside of him. Amen. And then the final one, and Katie, you need to go. Is we need to be it. Everybody say, be it. So, you need to be peace. Turn to somebody and tell them, hello, shalom. <laughs> now you're not God, of course. But Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. James says this, James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, but the wisdom that is from above is First pure, it's then peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield, it's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. God has called you and I to be peacemakers. If we don't like what we're feeling, then let's Bring another feeling into the, the room. Amen. You be the peacemaker. You be the peace that walks into the room. As far as it depends upon you, Paul said, you be at peace. I can't control them. I can't change them. I can't, I can't figure out all this. I'm just going to be peace. I'm going to go in and I'm going to go in with a heart of peace. Jesus said, I want you to be peacemakers. In fact, he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God or children of God. In other words, we look more like our Father when we are peaceable. 
He said they shall be called sons of God. A son of something is someone who is like the other. And so he says, when you're a peacemaker, you're like your heavenly father. That's what he's doing. That's what he's up to. Amen. And he didn't call us to be peacekeepers because when you try to keep the peace, you just, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm just keeping the peace. Nations do this all the time. They call it a truce. You know what a truce is? Cease fire for now. Truces, you know what truces are? Cold wars. They're wars, but they're cold. We're not to be a peacekeeper. We're to be a peacemaker. Amen. So stand with me. I want to show you one verse of Scripture. Could I have the prayer uh, team come and prepare themselves to pray? If you would. Psalms 119.165 says, read this with me, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace. How many of you want great peace today? Everything we shared with you today is out of the law, the word of God, the way of God, the principle of God. And he said, great peace are those who take this in. So today... If you need the peace of God, if you need God's direction or peace in your life about anything, or you need prayer for any other thing in your life, you're welcome to come up today, and these folks will, and I myself will be here, and we could pray for you today. So let me just pray a dismissal, and then if you need prayer, you can begin to come up even now as I'm praying. So Father, we just want to thank you for your presence today. Lord, we do love your law. We love your word. And you said, great peace. We can have great peace if we honor your word, if we listen to your word, if we live your word. So I pray today, God, that as we leave this place, that we will leave with the peace of God. That we will be like Gideon, who marched out to war in the peace of God. Hallelujah. Who did the will of God. In the peace of God. God, give us victory in your peace today, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. You can come this way if you need prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. God bless you.